2: So welcome to this episode of the Rockspile Rockies Report brought to you by Rockspile.com. My name is Kevin Henry. I'm one of the co-experts for the site. And today, super thrilled, super excited to be uh, having on not only a friend, but really one of those people that I consider to be a a guru whenever it comes to covering the Rockies and kind of talking about them and prognosticating a little bit. And that's our friend Brian Kilpatrick. BK,
0: how are you, man? I am great, and I'm glad that you have me on. Good to talk to you.
2: Hey, it's good to talk to you, too. Uh, Last time we saw each other, we were hanging out uh, in Salt Lake City watching the uh, Isotopes uh, and the Bees go at it, so I'm super glad we can uh, catch up again here.
0: Yeah, man, me too, especially. uh, It's it's funny to think about that because a lot of those Isotopes players ended up uh, making up a good chunk of the Rockies roster in September. Big time, absolutely. For better or worse.
2: (laughs) Who who would have thought while we were sitting there that that would be the case? You know, it's crazy stuff.
0: And yeah, not at the time, kind of thought things would turn out a little better than they did. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe just a little. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and uh, for those of you who don't know Brian, uh,
2: first of all, what rock are you living under? But I want to make sure that uh, he takes a note to kind of uh, tell a bit about what he's doing now, but uh, for years worked for Purple Row and, and made that into such an incredible site. Uh, so uh, BK, tell people what you're doing now and where they can kind of find some of your thoughts outside of what we're going to talk about today.
0: So right now what I'm mostly doing is, is my own podcast. It's the Rocky mountain baseball podcast. Um, and it's part of a larger project that I've kind of gotten off the ground a little bit, but I was, you know, kind of all along, I've been shooting to, to get it fully going for the 2020 season, but it's Rocky MTN Um, there I'll be, and kind of have been already, but, but in the future, we'll be covering mostly the Rockies, but, Um, also doing some stuff involving the minor league teams throughout the Rocky Mountain region too. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a risk, rich history of baseball in the region. And I kind of want to capture some of that and capture some of what makes it unique. Um, and so yeah, it'll be a lot of fun once I, uh, once I get going fully on that, but, uh, but yeah, right now, Rocky Mountain baseball podcast is where I'm at and where you can hear me talk and, and uh, be kind of a moron and then still offer my thoughts on the Rockies, et cetera. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, uh,
2: I always love hearing what you're thinking. And, and it's amazing to me that, you know, even on Twitter, uh, certainly uh, if you're not following a BK on there, you need to be doing that. Uh, but, you know, just, you just throw out a thought and it's amazing how it's a lightning rod for a lot of people and how many people, uh, respect you and uh, respect uh, your your thoughts on the Rockies. So definitely want to pick your brain today. Let's start with a topic that I know has really risen up last couple of days, especially. Uh, you know, we're recording this the day after the Yankees get knocked out of the ALCS by the Astros, top of the ninth, uh, DJ LeMahieu, of course, the old uh, former Colorado Rockies uh, second baseman comes through, big two-run homer to tie the game, but it wasn't enough. And and BK, I've heard, I've seen, heard two different thought philosophies here, and I kind of want to get your take on this. Uh, The first is obviously the Rockies made a mistake by not re-signing him and and signing Daniel Murphy. Uh, But there's also that second thought out there that DJ might not have had the same season in Colorado that he had in New York, and maybe the Yankees guys kind of pulled out of him something a little different, like they did the Mike Talkman that. Uh, has certainly been, been talked about a lot. So I wanted to get your take on that. Uh, you know, just, let's just start with how big a mistake was this for the Rockies to not re-sign DJ? I
0: guess from the very second this happened, um, from the very second that it was clear the Rockies weren't going to sign LeMahieu all the way through now, um, I don't think of it as a mistake. I, I never have, um. Hindsight, absolutely, it sucks. And he was great for the Yankees and a lot of a dark horse MVP candidate for a lot of people. Um, had a great season. He's always been great with the glove, but it wasn't a mistake for the Rockies to not bring him back. If you just look at it from this perspective, last season, DJ LeMahieu posted a park adjusted OPS plus of 88. This season, his replacement, Ryan McMahon, posted a park-adjusted OPS-plus of 87. Yep. So basically, the exact same offensive production. Um, but, you know, Ryan McMahon has a little bit less of a glove than LeMahieu. He's more than capable of of playing good defense at second base as well. So that was really the, the biggest drop-off. But kind of to your point, um, obviously the Yankees do something – At a major league, let me make sure I say this right, because the Rockies' minor league development is great. The results are clearly there. The proof is in the pudding. Um, They developed a great core of major league players. But I feel like the growth, once the players are at the major league level, isn't necessarily there, whereas maybe with the Yankees it is. and, And they got something out of LeMahieu that the Rockies couldn't. And so to answer your question, I don't think he would have had the type of season with the Rockies this year that he had with the Yankees. I mean, you know, I can't say that with any sort of proof or any sort of, uh, you know, there's no data or anything that points to that not being the case. I just don't feel like it would have been. I mean, we kind of we saw what he was as a Rocky, which was a good, a good, probably underrated player. Um yep. I think the type of hitter he is is going to be under is going to be underrated by, um, park adjusted metrics for offense and stuff like that. Like, because he's, he's a contact guy. He's not necessarily an on base or a, or a slugging guy. And those are really the things that, um, WRC plus and the like take into account. So he was always going to be underrated in that regard, but I just. Still, don't think he was going to be the type of player this season that he was for the Yankees if he stayed with the Rockies. Yeah,
2: and and, and honestly, I agree with you. And and you know, and I've I've looked at the McMahon versus Lemayhew and what they both brought, and obviously, you know, McMahon had an incredible year. Uh, you know, set set a record for second baseman uh, with his power and things like that. But I, I also think that there's two things that really get under Rocky's skin more than anything else, and and obviously the lackluster season that Daniel Murphy had. Uh And I think also the fact that LeMahieu was playing first with the, the Yankees some. And knowing that, A, they could have you know possibly shifted McMahon over to first or just had McMahon at second and LeMahieu at first still. And I think that those maybe are the two things that get under Colorado's uh, fan skin the most. What about you?
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that kind of points back to the conversation of how good exactly is this Rockies front office at identifying the talents and strengths and and whatnot of major league players? Again, obviously the proof is there with minor league development, but we're talking two different ballgames here, minor league development and major league development and talent evaluation, two completely different things. And, uh, you know, look, I thought from a baseball perspective, the Daniel Murphy signing was good, um, you know, from strictly baseball only – He's he's kind of a similar hitter to DJ LeMayhew from the yep. left side, a little bit more power, but really good contact skills, better on base skills actually than LeMayhew. Um it wasn't a bad signing. It's just, you know, kind of an aging player. He's he's what they call in the in, in the scouting industry a bad-bodied <laughs> guy. Um is, you know, maybe something and something like that can result in him having an earlier peak than maybe some other players or an earlier an earlier decline, maybe, is the better way to put it. Um, but a bad-bodied, kind of older guy who only played a little bit of first base entering this season wasn't necessarily that good at it. Um, playing in a completely new environment where it's really taxing on your body and really taxing on you physically. Maybe these are some things that we should have saw coming when it comes to Daniel Murphy. But, again, that's all hindsight, and but... The one thing it does show us is that the Rockies continue to struggle to identify the right pieces at the yeah, major league yeah, level. Absolutely, and I think that first base, uh, you know, obviously,
2: uh, you know, playing in Todd Helton's shadow, and Enio and Morno had had his moments there at first base and everything else. But I, I think that maybe the Daniel Murphy signing was even more scrutinized because they brought him in to play first base after the Ian Desmond fiasco, and that didn't work out for him to play first base. And so, again, I wonder if that's kind of still, for lack of a better term, stuck in the craw of the Rockies fans, knowing that McMahon's a guy who could have played first, or LeMahieu could have, but now you've brought in yet another guy and said, no, we need you to play first.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And not only that, but also, I mean, the past – I guess what it's been like, what, three seasons now that they've dealt with Desmond and Murphy at first base, you know, combined three seasons, I guess. Um, and during that time, it's not like there's been a shortage, even, even putting McMahon and, and LeMahieu aside, it's not like there's been a shortage of actual yeah. first basemen who the Rockies could have pursued, whether it be through free agency or, or via trade, you know, this would have been. I'm probably being unfairly harsh here, but like, why weren't the Rockies in the discussion for Paul Goldschmidt, oh, for instance? Yeah. Um You know, I, I would think especially before this season, before the, you know, the, I guess the reputation of the Rockies minor league system took a little bit of a hit. Um I got to think the Rockies would have had some sort of package similar to what the Diamondbacks got for Goldschmidt from St. Louis. So that's kind of, that's one right there that you'd think the Rockies maybe missed an opportunity, but that's only one. There's been a lot of other free agent first basemen come up the last few years whom the Rockies had a shot to get and just didn't for whatever reason. And instead getting guys who were just a poor fit there and, expecting those guys to come in change positions still be able to hit you know still be able to to stay acclimated to to major league pitching even though they are coming to this crazy new environment anyway and having to learn a new position it's just it's a lot to expect and it's just It's as head-scratching as it was three years ago. And speaking of
2: minor leagues in first base, I know one guy that you and I talked about way back in April whenever we saw each other in Salt Lake, you were so high on Ramos uh, and and what he's going to maybe bring to the table at first base. And are you still high on him maybe heading into next season as well?
0: I'm high on him from a perspective of he's hit for power every level that he's been at in the Rockies' system. Um and it's obviously a team you look at this year, the tremendous spike in home runs throughout throughout the league, and yet the Rockies were just super mediocre at hitting home runs. It seemed like all year until like the last few weeks of the season they went on a home run spree. Um, but you know, the the Rockies production didn't increase in that area, whereas pretty much the rest of baseball it did. And so they lack power. They need some power, Ramos has it. I think he's a better defensive first baseman than than people may give him credit for. He certainly isn't worse than Daniel <laughs> Murphy. I can guarantee you that. Um, and so, I mean, I'm high on him from a maybe not from an everyday player perspective, but as a guy who can come in and play some first base and help and give them some pop. Maybe what Mark Reynolds yeah. should have been, or maybe what Mark Reynolds was a couple of years ago is a good, you know, a good comparison to. Roberto Ramos, if he were to play a similar amount of time. So yeah, I'm, I'm high on him to that degree. He's kind of struggling in the fall league. Um, but yeah, you know, it's so. been a long season. Stuff was crazy at, in the PCL this year. Like I don't, you know, I'm not going to judge him based off of what he's doing for a month and a half in, in, in the Arizona fall league. But, but yeah, I think he's a guy who can help. Um, at that position. And, and I've got to future. ask, were
2: you surprised by some of the minor league moves, including uh triple a manager, Glenn Allen Hill getting the ax.
0: I was surprised only because the Rockies yeah. just don't make changes with guys like that he's been in the organization for so long. And I'm neither here nor there when it comes to Glenn Allen Hill. He's uh, I know he's not like super easy to deal with, like from a media perspective and, Obviously, the guys who cover the isotopes are a lot different than, you know, it's a lot different than covering a major league team. And I think the Rockies as an organization demand a certain amount of uh secrecy when it comes to the information that their minor league managers and coaches are giving. So I'm not going to hold that against Glenn Allen Hill. I just, I don't know really what positives he brought. Um You know, guys are pretty much done with their development when they get to AAA. I guess you could point to, the success that John Gray had there, um, you know, both when he was breaking into the major leagues and then when he had to go back there um, to kind of rediscover some things, you can point to the continued success that Herman Marcus had there when he made the leap from double A AA to triple A. Um, so I guess, you know, from a continued development perspective, it seems like Glenn Allen Hill did a fine job, but I think that might fall more on the, the roving coordinators, like the the pitching coordinators and the hitting coordinators and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, surprise just because the Rockies don't make moves, but I don't really think it's much of a oh, one. And I, and I think that it's
2: really interesting. And, and I'd love to get some of the, you know, and trying to chase down some of the, the rhyming man's and some of those guys who really had some of the time with Glenn Allen, Sam Hilliard, uh, those type to see, to see what impact that he truly had on yeah. them. And I'm curious, obviously to see what that will do what shakeup there will be if there is another one coming uh, as far as, you know, are they going to move a guy up? Will they bring somebody in or what the Rockies will do? Cause like you said, this is not something that the franchise normally does at all.
0: No, they like to keep it one big happy family. And that goes from the major league level all the way down through the minors. So um, I don't know. I'd kind of be surprised if they brought somebody in from the outside, but yeah, we'll have to wait and see what happens. And I, I still think there's going to be some other shakeups in the major league coaching staff. I think I would hope so. Um, because I, I don't know, I don't know how long Steve Foster should be for, for this world. And, and same with Dave Magadan. Um, he might, he might get another year to, to figure things out. And I know that there are some hitters who did thrive off of, off of what he was able to bring, but, for the most part, the offense as a whole was down. So I think there might be some more changes and it might have some sort well, of a domino effect. Then and that was where was I was going to go
2: next. Cause I, and tell me if I'm right or wrong here, I feel like that they're going to kind of just let 2020 be until they're out from under all these big contracts. Uh And maybe I'm way off base here, but it feels like the, and I think this again goes back to some of the Rockies fans frustration that there's not going to be a lot of tweaks or changes next year. And it's almost looking ahead to the 2021 season. Uh, you know, and, and if that's the case, do they get rid of a foster or a magadan or anything like that this year? Or is it just kind of, we'll see what we can roll out and hope everybody stays healthy and that luck happens. Am I
0: off base on that? Or what do you, what do you think? Not entirely. Um, you're not off base in terms of, uh, from a roster standpoint, yeah. I think they're going to pretty much stay the same. You know, you might get a, I talked about this on the, on each of the last couple of episodes of the podcast, including when I had Dan from ESPN and fan Graphs on. And you know, the, the theme is kind of, yeah, I mean, unless they decide to raise payroll, which it doesn't sound like they're going to, then what other choice do they really have? Um, you know, you might be able to go sign a back end starter, a decent guy to stabilize the rotation a right. little bit, but you're not going to get Garrett Cole, you know, and then, and then, uh, you know, offensively, I don't really know what it's crazy because it's, it's a below average offense, but other than really a catcher, like what changes would you really want to make? I mean, it's, there's guys in place who should be able to step in and, and fill roles and, and be fairly consistently good offensive performers. Um But I just, I, I don't think they, they're going to have the flexibility to do anything. They have pretty much already come out and set it. Um, but from a coaching staff standpoint, like I said, I wouldn't, I I would expect to see Dave Magan around again next season, but man, that stuff about Steve Foster, that's got to come from somewhere. That's yeah. got to come from someone in the organization, right? Who's frustrated with what's going on. And, uh, I just I don't know if I see him making it through that like so I I don't want to say I'll be surprised if they don't replace Steve Foster even if it's just promoting Darren Holmes to the full time pitching coach or whatever or maybe even Daryl Scott um but (laughs) but you know they are the Rockies and they don't like to make changes so they very they may very well hold steady with everything and you know, looking at everything from an honest, kind of overarching point of view, how can they do anything different but just kind of hope to uh, yeah, I agree. get some I mean, of the the I back think that's what's so
2: much of the frustration that that I'm reading and, and I you know you probably are as well, is that people are kind of knowing there's not gonna be a lot of changes. You know, Dick Monfort mm-hmm. came out and said about the not gonna make a great big splash. I mean, there may be a couple of ripples in there and if a you know a a backup catcher is the uh, the ripple. Well, I guess that's what we got, but I'm still not convinced that Drew Bittera is not going to be back with this team again next year.
0: Yeah. If they would just do like the one move that makes so much sense yep. that it's just crazy is to sign Yasmani Um If, as, if his options not picked up, which generally those mutual options aren't, um, I don't, I don't see how you cannot, how you cannot sign him. He's a, he's just such a perfect, obvious fit for the roster. Um, I love Tony Walters and he's, he works so hard to improve his game in all facets. And it's really shown on defense, but he's just not a good enough offensive player by any stretch of the imagination to be your, your, you know, your number one catcher. He just isn't. So put him in a backup role. Have Grandall be the starter. I think that right there gives the Rockies an extra few wins. Yeah, and, and I think um, I think something and, and has go to be from done. There. If
2: nothing else, just to show the fan base that you you're not standing pat, and and maybe to show the Arenados, the stories, those guys as well. You know, because yeah, and we've exactly. read, and we've the read the frustration. Part, we've really. read that there's you know the <laughs> whole lot of what ifs, especially about last year, whenever the Rockies tied the Dodgers and the you know the uh, regular season so yeah definitely
0: we'll, well yeah yeah and 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 I know those guys are still frustrated I know those guys are still frustrated from talking to them about the team not doing anything to push them over the top that season and you know as fluky as it really was because the Dodgers were probably 10 wins better than they finished like from a true talent perspective that doesn't matter. As a baseball player, you're not thinking about that. You're thinking about how you lost a game 163 to lose the division and didn't get any help. So I know you're going to be watching this
2: on your side. Certainly <laughs> we're going to be watching it. I know a lot of fans are. And, uh, and BK, just give people information one more time on how they can find you and uh, your thoughts on your podcast.
0: So I'm at I'm at Rocky Mountain BK on Twitter, and then uh, I also have an account for the website and podcast, not as active, but every once in a while I'll uh, I'll put some good stuff up on there. It's at Rocky Mtn BSBL. It's Twitter's stupid character limits on the handle, um, but uh, and then Rocky Mountain Baseball dot com um, is is where you'll find some of the written work and. Um, you can check in on some of the older episodes of the podcast there. Again, my goal is kind of just get that up off the ground and then really get going, um, as the 2020 season approaches. Um, and then, yeah, if you like, if you like the podcast, we're everywhere you listen to podcasts. Again, the Rocky Mountain Baseball Podcast. We're on Patreon. If you want to, uh, if you want to chip in a little bit, we're going to have exclusive content on there at some point, um, when we can get a few more of just the $1 patrons. Um, but got a nice little following on there. Um, super stoked for the listener base that I have, and and yeah, if you like to hear silliness and mixed with good analysis and 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 good guests uh, and is stuff like a, that, a that's a
2: great what we have. Of to information, offer on the uh, a good guy. I love to bounce things off, even in DMs. Just say, okay, am I nuts here or not? So, uh, always enjoy talking to him. And BK will look forward to you and I chatting as the off season goes along as well. So. Thanks for taking a few minutes to join, man. I appreciate it. Great. Thanks, sir. I appreciate that back at you. Always and thanks a pleasure, to all of Kevin you for listening today. We appreciate it. Certainly, we know uh, off-season's a tough time to talk about the Rockies, but we're out there, uh, just like BK is, making sure to throw the thoughts out whenever we can. So thank you for uh, making sure to check out our podcast, check out our articles, fresh ones, at least at least one every day on rockspile.com. So for now, Kevin Henry, co-editor, co-expert for Rocks Files, signing off. And as always, hey, go Rockies.